and I look at the weather there and I feel really warm. So, yeah, they recently had minus 40 degrees with a minus 61 wind chill. So, whew, comparatively, right? So, I am really excited to be able to share a message with you this morning. Um, not scheduled according to our plans, right? But scheduled according to the Lord's. And uh, I'm just grateful how he provides. Um, and one of the things that's really been cool to see, and I just appreciate so much, Graham and, and Brian, and it's interesting about four or five weeks ago, um, it actually came up that we needed to have a message kind of in our drawer so we would be prepared in case something happened, right? And so gave it some thought and just sought the Lord a little bit about it and then didn't do anything. <laughs> so the Lord was prompting, but what is really wonderful to me is how the Lord had this on my heart. And as Graham and I were sharing last night, the scripture, Philippians 4, verses 4 through 9, um, is something early on in my Christian life that God used to minister to me, and it still ministers to me. And recently, I've just been meditating on this scripture so much. Um, isn't that amazing how God's Word, it's not like it was a one-time thing in my life and it passed through, it still has incredible value and blesses me and encourages me and strengthens me in so many ways. So if you have a Bible, if you would turn to Philippians chapter 4, and uh, if you don't have a Bible, the, and the black Bible's underneath your seat there, I think it's page 921, and we will read this together. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Would you pray with me? Father, we are so grateful for so many things about you, who you are, about what you have done for us, about the fact that you are always working for our good, and that you love us more than we can even understand. We thank you, Father, that you desire to teach us that we might become more and more like your son, Jesus. Father, we ask that you would sanctify, that you would work in and through us, through this passage this morning, Lord. Father, help us to be fertile ground that we might hear, but not only be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. Father, help us. We ask that you would 
provide as only you can wisdom and understanding of how to apply these verses in our lives, Lord, in very real ways that are life-changing and that will bring honor and glory to you. We ask this all in Jesus' name. So as I said, God's really used this passage so much in my life, and um, I uh, hope that it will encourage you all as as we go through this and that it will be practical help. And it's probably a familiar passage to you, which is okay, but I'm going to ask you to, as we kind of take it bit by bit, to maybe even more seriously than ever, how does this really apply? How do we live these verses out? How do we really make them more real than ever as we grow in Christ-likeness? Um, if you're not a Christian this morning and you're here, I hope that you will see that Jesus Christ is truly the only source for eternal peace and joy. We live in troubled times. Amen? I think that's pretty clear to all of us, and uh, that might be a huge understatement, right? Uh, when we just look around us, there are so many things to be fearful and troubled by. Um, pandemics, political unrest, um, economic uncertainty and unrest, uh, pandemics. Did I say that? Maybe pandemic. It's, it's truly amazing when you really want to go down the list. We could make a big list of things that are really difficult that we're dealing with. And those are just the general things. We're not talking about the individual things in each of our lives that we are, are, fa are, are facing that can stir up fear or stress in us. Um, and we all have them, some greater and some lesser, and we all go through seasons of that. Um, but as we are facing all those things, I've often in my Christian walk, even as a believer, felt kind of hopeless and helpless. Um, and that's not where the Lord wants us to be, right? He wants us to not live in fear and be overtaken by fear, even though we have fears. It's a very real part of our lives and we face fears. God has direction for us to be able to rise above those fears, so to speak, and to be at peace even in the midst of turmoil and disturbing times, uh, whether generally or in our own lives. So I hope so far I've cheered you up a bunch. <laughs> we go through the list. Um, what is really great is I think that this passage applies to our lives with important truths that will help us navigate and grow in Christ-likeness. So let me give you a little background and context with Philippians. The book of Philippians, if you remember when we went through the book of Acts in Acts 16, um, there's actually a whole chapter kind of given to Paul planting the church of Philippians, and that was in about 50 AD. <clears throat> and so Paul obviously had a tremendous passion for all the churches that he was starting and, and ministering to, but it's kind of interesting how, uh, as we read through Philippians, how Paul's relationship with Philippians was in its, in, in its own way a very special relationship. Um, and he wrote this while he was imprisoned near the end of his life. And so to help give you a little context, I hope you'll bear with me. We're going to do something that typically we would not do, but I think it really helps to give 
even more of a context and a framework and an emphasis on these scriptures in, in chapter four that we're going to focus on. So if you would join with me and read, let's gonna, we're going to read the whole book of Philippians, okay? So Philippians 1.1. 1, 1. Paul and Timothy, well, before we get there, I want you just to be mindful of how Paul speaks of the church here. How many times he says rejoice. How many things in his own life as he's just pouring out his heart for this church? So Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God and all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I want you to know, brothers, that, it, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that, <clears throat> that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, which, yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me, you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction but of your salvation, and that from God. 
For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear and still have. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom, whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all you, or with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by the news of you. For I have no one like him who would be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I've thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God have mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor, such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble for me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh, for we are the circumcision, who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus, and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more, circumcised on the eighth day 
of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to, the zeal, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means, any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join, me in, imi join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have told you often told you, and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and their, they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body, by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Yodia and entreat Senchich, sorry, to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, to help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is pure, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. 
In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hungry and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble, and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied with receiving from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. I love reading Philippians. It's just such an uplifting, encouraging, and you just hear Paul pouring out his heart for this church. And he had obviously an ongoing close relationship with them. And um, I think reading the whole book helps me to kind of get an even more uh, clear perspective and context for these verses in chapter 4, verses uh, 4 through 9. As Paul is exhorting them in these things, he's doing it from his love and his care and his concern. He's not just saying you ought to do this, but he's really encouraging them uh, as he recounts all these things in their history, so to speak. So what we want to do is to take each one of these verses. So we're going to start with, chapter, or with verse 4, where Paul exhorts the Philippians and the Lord is exhorting us, right? So verse 4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. So I got a question for you. So what should we rejoice in? The Lord, right? And when should we rejoice? Always. Um, this is one of those verses that I've often read and I go, okay, rejoice, re rejoice. No, rejoice in the Lord and always. That to me sounds like a really tall order. Rejoice in the Lord always. Um, and this is one of many verses where we're exhorted or, or encouraged or told to rejoice. But it's interesting how this is rejoicing is focused on the Lord, right? Rejoicing in the Lord. <clears throat> and this has for me not been a naturally, not natural to me sometimes. Often in my walk, it's been very difficult for me to rejoice. And I think one of the important things for us to look at is God in my life has over the years given me greater understanding about this is that I get it confused sometimes with an emotion. And sometimes rejoicing comes with great emotions, right? Amen? It's like, it's just pouring out. It's wonderful. But our rejoicing in the Lord really is not at all dependent on 
emotion. I'm grateful God gave us emotions, but they are unreliable. They are not, in this fallen world, something that we can look to and go like, okay, I'm really rejoicing because I really feel it. No, we have a choice to be rejoicing. And that choice is really important because when I don't feel like I'm rejoicing, doesn't mean I can't rejoice and that I'm not rejoicing, right? <clears throat> and it's interesting because so often those emotions are really tied to circumstances. So when my circumstances are really difficult, I don't feel that rejoicing near as much when circumstances are great. We just had the pleasure of having all of our kids and kids-in-law and 10 grandbabies for Christmas. It was crazy chaos, but I was just rejoicing in that. And it was filled with emotion and wonderful things, just saying, it's crazy because we've had eight grandbabies in four and a half years. So it was such a young crowd. It was just so cool to see all these little ones going around. I was just filled with emotion. But there was a point where it was just overwhelming. Imagine that, right? But I was still rejoicing, even though in a sense I wasn't feeling it in the same way, but it was just such a blessing. Um, and I chose to rejoice in them, even when the kids were yelling and screaming and the noise level got up to here and I had to turn my hearing aids off because <laughs> it was so loud. What a great time, just rejoicing in that. <clears throat> so, rejoice in the Lord. What does that mean, to rejoice in the Lord? Well, over the years, I think the Lord just revealed to me, what do I have to rejoice in when I say in the Lord? Well, it's this huge, long list of things, right? We can, each of us, sit for a moment and just think of the character of God, who God is. That's rejoicing in Him. When I rejoice in the Lord, it's rejoicing in the fact that He loves me. It's rejoicing in the fact that He cares for me more than I can even understand. It's that He sent His Son to die for me in my place. And that through his finished work, I'm not only saved, but I am now his son. I can call him Abba Father. I encourage you to meditate on this, these verses this coming week. And as you do, I want you just to pause when you come to rejoice in the Lord. And I want you to really allow the Lord, this Holy Spirit, to really just give you the things about the Lord. There's so many things to rejoice in when it comes to rejoicing in the Lord, right? And I think it's good for us to count those things off sometimes and to be very specific in the things that we have to rejoice in in the Lord. And that changes for me from time to time. But He's always good. I tend to lean towards just rejoicing in the Lord about the ways He's blessed me, right, in this life. But I think that's a big mistake because the most important thing that we have to rejoice in, besides just who God is, is the fact that we are eternally His. Amen? We're just passing through this life. This older tent, notice I didn't say old tent, but this older tent of mine is definitely a reminder that I am 
passing from this life, right? And going home. In Luke chapter 10, verse 21, it reads, In that same hour Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. Now let me give you a little context for that, because the verses right before in Luke chapter 10, Jesus had sent out 72 disciples to go and preach the gospel, basically, um, around. And they did, and it was a huge success, if you will, and they were fired up, and they came back, and they were just rejoicing in the fact that they were even able to cast out demons in Jesus' name. And they were really excited about all that. So that gives you a perspective then when Jesus says in verse 21 that he is rejoicing in the fact that the, his father, that he had hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. So he was rejoicing in the Lord in this aspect of, of his father. I think it's really interesting then in, uh, as Jesus goes on and he says to them not to rejoice that the demons are subject to them, but to rejoice that their names are written in the Lamb's book of life. One thing I'm grateful for this morning is that you guys are really patient. Sorry. <laughs> Technical difficulties. Um, but I think it's so significant that in this in this passage, that Jesus is making it clear that what is most important is the eternal. Even though the 72 disciples went out and they were casting out demons and, and changing people's lives, and all of that was wonderful and glorious, but the most important thing was the eternal salvation, that their names were written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So I encourage you to practice this, to practice rejoicing in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So the second exhortation in verse, which verse is it? You guys are really patient. Um, Verse 5, so let your reasonableness, reasonableness be known to everyone. This is interesting to me because it seems almost out of place, but I want you to think about the fact that it is difficult to rejoice in the Lord when we're unreasonable. I know for me, my tendency is much more to be unreasonable than to be reasonable. Um, the same Greek word is also interpreted sometimes as gentle. 
So let your gentleness be made known to all. And I think it's a great exhortation because when I am out of sorts, when I'm being unreasonable, which is my nature, there's more to be unreasonable than to be reasonable, then I am really putting myself in a position where it's much more difficult to actually live out verse 4, to rejoice in the Lord. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul gives instruction here to Timothy. It says, have nothing to do with foolish and ignorant arguments because you know that they breed quarrels. And a servant of the Lord must not be quarrelsome, but be kind, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. And God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. So we can be gentle and reasonable if our focus is on Christ. The more unreasonable and gentle and gentle we are, the less likely we are to be able to rejoice in the Lord, and we will be more anxious. So I encourage you to be really intentional about being reasonable. And when I am not intentional about being reasonable and gentle, then guess what? I'm very unreasonable and very hard and rigid. So being intentional is just really setting out to make that a practice in our lives being reasonable and gentle. So the third exhortation is in the last part of verse 5 and verse 6. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. This has really been a struggle for me. And Maggie and I got saved in 1980. I know some of you remember 1980. Most of you <laughs> don't remember 1980 and weren't around in 1980. But I know all these years, God has brought this scripture to my mind, and it's been a wonderful thing. But I've struggled often with this because I thought, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And I saw this almost like a magic pill, a little magic wand to went, went over. And if I prayed and gave my supplications to God with thanksgiving, then somehow or other all the anxieties would just magically go away. Well, that's not always been the case. And I think what is really important for us to see in this is that what Paul is not saying, what the Holy Spirit is not saying to us is that our fears will just disappear through this, right? But I do know for a fact that through this process that we're given here, starting with, remember, the Lord is at hand. It's interesting that that's the first thing in this section of, of, of these verses is that the Lord is at hand. So it's like, I need to remember the Lord is with me, even when I am fearful. Too often I can get consumed by my fears. Um, and I think that's a natural tendency for me. So I need to begin by remembering that the Lord is at hand. He's right here. 
He's never forsaking me. He's never leaving me. No matter how many things come at me that are filled with fear for me and create great anxiety in me, I'm not alone. Praise God. I'm never alone. Even when I'm alone, I'm not alone. Amen? And so, going on, I felt like this didn't apply, or I wasn't able to apply this because the fears didn't just disappear. But what I didn't understand, that it wasn't the source of the fear that was going to leave, but instead it was not letting fear rule in my heart. And so this process that we are given here in this short verse is, I think, so important because the Lord is with us, first and foremost. But also, when I am able to, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, I think it's so important that it's with thanksgiving, that we are able to then see the Lord even more at hand, if you will. And so there's this process, if you will, of going through actually allowing the Lord then to take fear from ruling my heart and allow him at once again to be the one who is ruling my heart. And that is difficult in the fallen world, dealing with my flesh and the enemy, but the Lord is able to do that where I am not. I can't just will myself out of fear. But God is able to minister to me and the Holy Spirit to be able to then be my primary focus, if you will, and not my fears, and to lay those things aside and trust him completely with them. So this process, though, <clears throat> isn't a one-time event. I've never found where I had one fear coming along and I did this one time and it went away. So I think it's an important uh, thing to note that part of this is waiting on the Lord and being persistent and being faithful to live out this verse, to be faithfully going back when our fears come. And I don't know about you, but sometimes there are waves of fears, and some fears just seem to be there far more than I would imagine that they would be. There's a quote from years ago on a message that I heard and this guy said, to get peace, you have to fight for it. I thought, well, that's a different perspective. To get peace, you have to fight for it. But the more I thought about it, the more I began to realize what he was saying, in other words, was I have to be persistently going intentionally after assuaging these fears, seeking the Lord who is with me, um, praying to him, why do I pray and let my request be made known to God? It's not like God doesn't know my requests already, right? <clears throat> but that's a practice that's good for me then to realize those requests that I have aren't just between me and my fear or whatever's causing that fear. No, I, it, it causes me to turn my heart to God even more so. Lord, I lift this up to you. This is my request but I thank you, Lord, that you are above even this difficult fear. And so in a sense, that's, it's a fight. 
in a sense, it's a battle that we need to engage in in our minds and in our hearts. And out of that, then we will be able to gain peace that is beyond understanding, which we read in verse 7. I want to turn you to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And it reads, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I want to read that again. The founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I want you to think about something. (laughs) Jesus' struggle was far more intense than any of us will ever experience. And he had, in in a sense, he was fighting through all of that, if you will. And I think it's really incredible. Think of how much stress and fear and anxiety that Jesus endured in so many different ways. I mean, the, the, the ways that we read in Scripture just in the garden where he was in such turmoil that he actually sweat blood. So I think it's really important that if our Savior was struggling in those ways, how much more will we also struggle? I don't think ever to the degree that Jesus did. Um, In my own mind, sometimes I think I am, but I know that's not true. But our struggle is in much the same way as we look to Jesus as our example, is that he continued to faithfully turn to God, right? Even in the garden, he went off to pray. He was seeking his Father, and he was staying focused on his Father. And it all happened in the context of the joy that was before him. Isn't that cool? It's like there was rejoicing ahead, even in the midst of that pain. And it didn't diminish the joy that was before him. And as a result of us living out this verse 6, then in verse 7 it says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This is another verse that has been really difficult for me to to really understand, I think, because too often I, again, relate peace with emotion. But it is really truly a fact that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, is beyond emotions, it's beyond feeling. And it is something that we need to press into um, and seek the Lord and fight for, if you will. It's interesting because in my life, one vivid example, and there are many examples, but one of the most vivid was when our daughter Rachel was born. And you all know that having a child born with a disability is, we didn't know beforehand, I don't think it would have mattered anyway if, if, if we did. 
But when she was born, I was reeling. I was devastated. Um, and that pain, that turmoil, was not peace. I was so not at peace. I was frightened. I wanted to run away. I just was overwhelmed, even as I cried out to the Lord. And I cried out asking, God, give me peace about this. Amazingly, Maggie was at peace. It was so cool how God just gave her peace. But I was not. And brothers and sisters, for five years I struggled terribly. And in my own spirit, I thought, Lord, how can this be? How can I be so uh, unrest, <laughs> so in turmoil over this? And it's a story unto itself, but it's amazing how God, as I continually turn to him, he, by his spirit, he kept me turning to him, saying, this isn't right, Lord. I do want to seek you in this. Over a period of five years, God just brought things in and ministered to me as I fought for that peace, and God gave me peace that surpasses understanding about my precious daughter. And so the lesson to me is that, yeah, this peace isn't a snap of the fingers, right? God calls us sometimes to seek him in these things, and he does just in that moment, give us peace, like Maggie with Rachel. But other times, we need to just hang in there and keep seeking the Lord through whatever we're dealing with. But his peace is still there, nonetheless, right? Even when we don't feel it. Um, even when we think we're not experiencing it. So our reliance on God is for the long haul, and this requires that we wait on him something I find generally distasteful <laughs> in my flesh. But what a great thing for us to wait for him, and he will give us peace that is beyond understanding. So the fourth exhortation is in verse 8. And it reads, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence... If there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Well, first of all, God is the source of all these things, right? So another reason for us to rejoice. This is not the power of positive thinking. That's not what we're being exhorted to do here. Um, but it is an important thing for us to realize the, the more that we are able to focus on these things and not our fears, not the things in this world or in our life that create turmoil and trouble in our hearts and in our minds. And so it, I think it's really important that we're exhorted here to be mindful of what we focus on because we can't get rid of all the things that create fear and turmoil and trouble, right? Wouldn't that be wonderful if there was some way to do that? But this side of heaven, that's not going to happen. So in the meantime, I think it's really important for us to see in this verse how what we are focusing on and 
as Graham and I were talking through this yesterday, one of the things he said I thought was just really, really meaningful. It's like, what do we cling to? What sticks? Right? Because we can't get rid of all the negative. We can't get rid of all the things that create fears and anxieties in our lives. But what sticks? What stays with me? That I can affect. And by the Spirit, as I seek Him, He is able to help me then to come back to what is true, what is honorable, what is just. That means we need to be faithful in His Word, right? That's the source of all this truth. That's where we are able to hear from the Lord so often. Um, I like the, the Greek word here can also be said to count up these things. So when it's think about these things, to count up these things, so it's almost like making a list of these things. And we can't avoid the negative and difficult things in this life, but we can make choices that I think are important um, and how we spend our time and our day. I know it's so easy for me to get caught up in reading things that I really don't need to read, that are just, it's incredible. I mean, between the internet and even things that I watch on TV, I know sometimes I'm sitting there watching it going like, why am I watching this? This is not, this is not good for me. Um, but I don't know about you, sometimes I get glued and I'm still watching anyway, and even halfway through, and by the end of it, it's like, that was really dumb. I should have, it's like, there is an off, you know, there is a change the channel. Um, but I know there are things I read, things I watch, things I listen to that oftentimes are just trash. They're just a waste of time. But sometimes they're just really truly having a bad negative impact on me. Um, and those I need to be really on guard about. But I also need to be intentional to really seek out things that apply here on this list, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, things that are excellent, anything worthy of praise. So I encourage you to meditate on these things, to um, take a demonstrable time to focus on them as much as you can. I know we all lead busy lives, um, but I encourage you to just be regular and really focusing on these things. And that takes us to exhortation number nine, which is what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I love this because it kind of wraps it all up, if you will, in the importance of community that practicing rejoicing in the Lord and being reasonable and being, lifting up our anxieties to him and being at peace and all of that is really in a, not just a single individual journey, but it's part of us as a community. And this really relates to Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, um, which says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. 
And living out these verses, brothers and sisters, it's important that we encourage one another in this, that we are examples to one another. It's awesome that we have the ability to be examples to one another in these areas. And I encourage you <clears throat> to engage in this because I know for me so often when I have fears, I don't want to admit it. I don't want to talk about it with other people because it makes me look weak or it makes me look <laughs> like I don't have faith that I want to portray like I have. There's so many things that I can enter into in my own mind where I'm not sharing these fears. And it's not like I need to pour, pour out all my fears to everyone all the time, but I do think that the more and we are in relationship and able to share with one another, the better. <clears throat> and I love that Paul says, what you have learned and received and heard in me and seen in me, practice these things. My prayer is that for each one of us, we may be able to say that as well with confidence. It's interesting because sometimes we are all experiencing very difficult, sometimes excruciating things in our lives that make these verses seem even that much more unattainable, seem that much more or that much farther away. And I want to share with you an example of how God worked through these verses in a very, very difficult situation. Most of you all are aware that a little over a year ago, um, our, first, or our youngest daughter, gave birth to a little girl, Naomi, on January 3rd, 2021. And Naomi passed away in the very moment when she was being born. Rejoice in the Lord. How is that? In that moment, when we arrived at the hospital, I want to walk you through how God worked this in my life in a, such a powerful way. First of all, it was COVID. We weren't supposed to get there. So our poor daughter and son-in-law were by themselves, abandoned. Miraculously, God got Maggie and I and three of our daughters in but Maggie and I just at first, and as we went into that room, I didn't feel like rejoicing. It was overwhelming, excruciating pain. Not only the loss of our granddaughter, but also seeing my own daughter and my son-in-law in such pain. But I gotta tell you, brothers and sisters, as I held her lifeless body, and I stood and I just began crying out, just saying, Lord, we need you. Lord, we need you. And I sensed the Lord was just reminding me I am at hand. I am here. In that moment, I rejoiced. It's like, thank you, Lord. You are here. As I prayed over my daughter, my son-in-law, and Maggie, as I just prayed, just the Lord just brought so many things to mind. 
and I was rejoicing that, Lord, you are in control. This isn't an out-of-control thing, Lord. You are in control. And I can trust you. I rejoiced in the Lord. I rejoiced as he reminded me that he feels the same pain. We weren't alone in it, not at all. The fact that he has experienced even greater pain than this. I rejoiced in the Lord. I was reminded that he collects every tear that we shed. I rejoiced knowing how compassionate and loving and kind. As I went on and this anxiety in me and this anguish in me that was so incredibly strong, as you can imagine, I began to hear from the Lord and thank him for his promises. First of all, little Naomi was with him. The Bible makes it clear that she went immediately to heaven. I am so grateful for that promise. I was reminded that he will work all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purposes. I'm so grateful for that promise. And as I lifted up these prayers to the Lord, I began to be able to give him thanks, even in the midst of such terrible pain and anguish. That blows my mind. How can that be? It's only by the Spirit of God that that was able to be something that I could do in my own heart and in my own mind. And through that, brothers and sisters, there was a peace, not a peace of the world, not peace that the world gives, but peace that only comes through Jesus Christ. And that peace wasn't like, oh, everything's okay now. No, not at all. That peace was that not only is Naomi secure, but I am so grateful and at peace that Joanna and Casey are walking with God. So grateful that we know our eternal des destiny, right, and where we will be. And as we were doing that, I look back and I think about how, so finally, brothers, whatever is pure, whatever is true, whatever is just, it was so cool to see how God was providing all kinds of things for our focus. We were treated so well by the staff. It's amazing. God provided so many things in so many ways, including so much from you, all of you that were true and loving and honorable and commendable. It was so cool to see how you guys loved on us really well and grieved with us really well. So whatever was our focus towards just being in pain changed and was ministered to when we were encouraged to focus on these things. Praise God for that. And I am so grateful for how even in the midst of something so incredibly difficult, these verses were very real to me and remain very real to me. And so I continue to meditate on these almost daily, and I'm so grateful how God's word is alive and real, but 
that applies to our mind and our spirit and our lives. So all of these things we can do through Christ who strengthens us as Christians. And the more we live life by the Spirit, the more we are able to make these things a part of our lives. I encourage you, brothers and sisters. And if you are not a Christian, I encourage you to see in this passage that while you may find some joy in this life, it is fleeting and it won't last. Fear, anxiety, and there is no peace and a certain separation from all that is good. Loved ones, I encourage you with this scripture and uh, encourage you to meditate on it. And I hope it is a help to you. And I encourage you that if you are struggling in any of these things, then reach out to me, reach out to Graham, reach out to Brian, and we are available to help and we will be praying for you. Would you pray with me? Oh, Father God, how awesome you are. How incredible it is, Lord, that you gave us life. How incredible it is, Lord, that you um, know every hair on our head, that you know everything about us, including all of our sin and wretchedness, and let you you love us beyond what we can imagine. Father, may we truly be ones who rejoice in you always. Help us, Father, by your Spirit to be aware of when we are drifting away from rejoicing in you always. Father, I ask too that you would help us to be gentle, reasonable people with one another and outside of one another. Father, I also ask that you would, as we seek you, just be mindful that you are at hand. You are with us. You never abandon us. You are always with us and in us. We thank you for that. Father, help us to live out not being anxious, not allowing fear and anxiety to rule our lives, Father, but instead, through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, or to let you know, which is really just releasing to you, Lord, the things that bring fear and anxiety. Father, help us to let those things, lift those things to you. And Lord, no matter how many times we need to do that, Father, help us to be patiently waiting on your peace, which is a promise from you. And Father, we thank you that there is a peace that's beyond understanding and that you do guard our hearts and minds even when, we, even when we don't feel it. Help us, Father, to not be reliant on feeling and emotions, but to base all these things on your word, the truth. Father, we ask that you would help us to Focus on what is true and pure and honorable and commendable and praiseworthy and excellent and just, which are all things that come from you. And Father, help us to live out with one another, being examples as you have called us to be. Lord, help us to imitate Christ well, that we might be examples to each other, ones that we can look to, 
as each of us imitates Christ, that we might be more and more like him. Thank you, Father, for this day, for this time, in Jesus' name, amen.